This uh, reading this morning is taken from First John chapter four. I'm reading from verse seven to twenty. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. This is how love, this, this is how love is made complete among us. So that we have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. And we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet he hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. May God bless the reading of the a few years ago, uh, Bruno Mars, a uh, singer, uh, sung these words, expressing love, his love for another. This is what he sang. I'll catch a grenade for you, throw my hand on a blade for you, protecting himself, uh, protecting the other person. I'll jump in front of a train for you. You know I'll do anything for you. Oh, I'd go through all this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain. Yes, I'll die for you, baby. But you won't do the same. I didn't sing it. It sounds better if you sing it, I'm sure. Um, but you get the point. He's talking about a love that he is willing to die for. That he is willing to die for the person that he loves. Of course, it could be argued, well, it's just another love song. That's all it is, another song about love. But it does raise the question, doesn't it? What do we mean when we speak about loving someone? What does true love actually look like? And more specifically, what does it look like to love our brothers and sisters in the church? And what does it look like to love the world 
around us. That is what we're considering today. The church is to be a loving place. There is no doubt about that. In fact, I think you can say that the church is to be the most loving place on earth. Whether it is our church or another church, those who truly love Jesus, who are a true local church, they are to be the most loving place in that locality. And that is clear from all these verses on the screen. Let me put them up. Here we go. Okay, here are just a few verses. I've almost picked them out at random, but I won't uh, give you the quotations. They're all on the, on the screen. But here are just a few commands that tell us that the church is to be loving. Notice this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Or in Galatians, carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. We are to love one another. Or as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Or in Ephesians, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Or in Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And if you're still not convinced what the New Testament says, then here's this one from Peter. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Well, praise God that here at TABC, there are so many glimpses of this love. So many. There is a, a real concern uh, for each other over coffee, over the phone. We praise God that we are learning and praying together. We praise God that we are reaching out together. And especially, we pull together in a crisis. Those are just some of the glimpses of true love that we see in this church and in other churches. But it's also true to say that we're not always like that. And in other churches, we've seen it as well, haven't we? The church is not the most loving place on earth. We fail. Sadly, there are divisions, there are grudges, there are neglect, there are acts of selfishness, and dare I even say, there is abuse within the church. The loving church is not always the most loving place on earth. And that is wrong. And for those who reject the truth, well, that's just, they just find reasons to carry on rejecting the truth. Look at the church. Look how they're full of hypocrites. They talk about love, but they're not loving at all. Well, the last thing I want to do this morning is to criticise anyone. I'm not here to criticise anyone. And anyway, if I do point the finger this morning, um, I'm not going to apologise because there's always three fingers pointing back, okay? So I know for myself that I'm far from what I should be. 
Um, and I, I, part of me is preaching this sermon so that you can pull me to account and say, Pastor, what about this? What about that? I need you to help me to become all that I should be by your prayers and by your constant encouragement and your exhortations and corrections. But what we do see in this passage is a challenge to love as we have been loved. And I want us to see this morning from John 4, 1 John 4, 7 to 20, really three reasons why we can love and why we must love one another and to express that love in actions. Uh, Looking at 1 John 4 here, uh, looking at 1 John 4, what we see before us is a letter to a very troubled church. The background seems to have been that some had rejected John's teaching, the Apostle John's teaching, which were later laid down in John's Gospel, what we now call John's Gospel. But they had rejected some of the things he was teaching. And that had come to a head. So, for instance, they had rejected that Jesus really was the Son of God and that by believing we may have life in his name. They didn't entirely believe that. Indeed, they rejected that. And it all came to a head where some in the various churches that John was writing to suddenly left. And in all these churches... They were scratching their heads, thinking, what's happened? People from our church have gone. They have rejected things that the Apostle John was talking about. Now, are they the true church? Were they right? Or were we right? Were they right to go? Were we right to stay? And they've got doubts in their minds. And they are confused. And so what should be the loving place on earth is actually marked by divisions. Rightly so, because they were divided over the truth. And those that rejected the truth left, leaving a very fragile church indeed. And so 1 John is a circular letter to encourage all the churches that have been affected by this false teaching To see not only what is the truth, but also to be truly united together in love. And to be reminded that they are the true church. This letter, therefore, is a huge encouragement to each of us. We're all hurt by others who are professed believers. And this letter helps us to see what is really happening and to help us to see who are truly God's people and what it truly means to belong. So John, therefore, wrote these words to encourage the true church, to encourage us this morning. He wants to assure you that if you're trusting in Jesus, that you know true love and that you truly belong. Well, as we look at this together then, I want to see those three reasons to love. The first one's on the screen. We are to love. Why? Well, because God first loved us. 
And you see that throughout uh, this passage that uh, George read for us. Uh, but we see it especially here in verses 7 to 10. We're to love for God first loved us. You know, in our pride, we, we kind of think that we're lovely. We're, we're kind of blind, aren't we, to our own failures. Isn't that true? I know I am. I think anyone should, should love me perfectly. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm not very lovely. Far from it. And John here really completes, completely cuts down the idea that there is anything good in us by showing us that it is God who made the first move. It is God who loves us when we were enemies, when we were far from him, when we had no inclination to love him. God loved us, because God' love comes from God, as it says here. Look at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Then he says in verse 8 that God is love. Now notice here he doesn't say that love is God, but that God is love. There's a huge difference there. Okay? And what he's saying is that everything that God is and everything God does flows from his love. If you were to go back before the beginning of time, you would find the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit completely and perfectly united in love as they are to this day and will be forever eternal. They are united in love. And the wonder of the Gospel is that God invites us into that love to share that love. And when God made this world, he made it so that we could enjoy something of God's love. That's why we sung in that hymn that the sky de- declares God's love and everything on earth declares God's love. Because it's an expression of God's love for us. Everything God does is an expression of his love. Even in our broken world, we, we know something of this, do we not? When your, your mum is, is furious, talking to the, the younger, younger ones here, if your mum's furious that you haven't done your homework, why is she cross at you? Is it because she no longer loves you? Quite the opposite. Because she wants you to work hard. That frustration is an aspect of her love for you. It's just a small thing. But we see that throughout. Look at the, the, the judge when he pulls down a sentence on a person. It's not because he hates that person before him, even though he's done terrible things wrong. It's because he loves justice. And he wants to see uh, some type of um, recompense, that's the word, recompense with a person who's been hurt. He loves that person who has been hurt. And so in a far greater way, everything God does is because he is a God of love. And so verse 9, he continues to hold out God's love to us. And he says, look, if you want to see what God's love really looks like, look what God has done. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The Father sent his Son into the world for us. Why? 
Because God is a God of love. And John, um, um, John 3 verse 16 says similar, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. His only son. His unique son. His one and only son into the world for us. For a rebellious world. And like an artist building up his painting, he now puts an even deeper layer on here. As he's helping us to understand just what it really means to be loved by God. Look at verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son, and here's the extra bit of colour, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I was looking for a way to try to explain what does it mean to have to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, I looked at all sorts of places, but in the end I found myself back in Leviticus 16 and 17. You can turn to that at your leisure. But just to remind you, uh, or to introduce that section to you, there in Leviticus 16 and 17, you've got the whole Israelite community. And it was the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day where their sins had to be paid for. And a, a, a day 